this is Stephanie Ortega and you're listening to the Remix Movement Podcast. Hi everybody, it's Stephanie. I hope you can hear me clearly. I hope that you are enjoying this week so far and I hope you enjoyed our last episode. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Remix Movement Podcast. I have changed it up a little bit. I am now sitting in Lewis's chair. I just figured let's just change the angle. Let's change the angle and see what happens. So hopefully you like this. <laughs> All right. So in our last episode, we talked about uh, Christian culture versus worldly culture. And we gave three examples of how we can change Christian culture and make it more appealing to non-believers. We even shared the remix's founding verse, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And, um, and we basically talked about how that Bible verse kind of inspired us to do and start the ministry, how we are remixed by God, transformed in our mind and in our heart because of who God is, all right? So if you missed that episode, go ahead and check it out. It's going to be episode number 80. <laughs> I can't believe we're in 80. I think before the end of the year, we'll be close to 100, but I'm not 100% sure on that, so we will see. <laughs> Um, so our last episode's challenge was do one thing this week that will change Christian culture in your circle of influence. And I gave a few examples. Um, invite someone to church by inviting them to lunch afterwards. I encourage someone to listen to KB's new album, His Glory Alone, or even uh, 116's new album, which is called Sin Vergüenza. And um, go ahead and just think about buying Pastor Mike Todd's new book called Relationship Goals. It's a good book for you, and it could be a really good book for a friend. These are all different ways of how we can change Christian culture within our circle. And I think it'll help build the kingdom of God as well. All right. So going into this podcast episode, I want to talk a little bit today about something that is expressed a lot but we really don't think about it all right a lot of people say this expression and basically it is finding ourselves so for example some people may say and then before i knew it i found myself driving to the mall or something like that right and it's almost like they lost their awareness of themselves and their decisions before they were able to come back and realize who they were and what they were doing. So like you just get lost with everything that's going on mentally or physically, right? And you just, you lose yourself. And I really do think that, you know, this is something that a lot of us may be feeling sometimes. Even as believers, sometimes we do uh, get wrapped up with the things that are going on with um you know the things of this world with stress with anxiety with the kids with our friends um social media we we tend to just lose ourselves right like we're here but we're not really here so you can be physically in a place but your mind is wrapped up somewhere else so technically you lost yourself all right and as believers we do this too sometimes we lose ourselves and it gets to the point where we lose ourselves and we forget or don't realize that we haven't spoken to God in a few days 
um, that we haven't been reading our Bible and our devotional time. Um, maybe a few days go by and we're like, wow, when was the last time that I gave God praise and worship? And, and these are things that happen. We lose ourselves. So in today's episode, we're going to focus mainly on uh, Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And this is called the parable of the lost son. We're going to do a lot of reading between the lines. And I want you guys really to understand that maybe you lost yourselves, but it's okay because you can always remember the way back home the way back to God, the way back to our father's arms, okay? So even if you did lose yourself, there is still hope that you can always come back to him, that you can find yourself again. You can gain that awareness. You can gain your identity in him again. And then you can just come back home into your father's arms. You can be able to renew and restore and strengthen your relationship with God at home with your father. So before we get into this, uh, Luke chapter 15, I do want to talk a little bit about how the parable of the lost son is a lot of times referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. Okay, the word prodigal is an adjective. All right. So it's a word used to describe um, someone who's spending money or recesses resources freely and recklessly. And in the dictionary, it even says wastefully. Okay, so this is a little bit of my like English uh, degree coming out here, right? So if the word prodigal is an adjective used to refer uh, to spending money and resources freely, then that means that a prodigal son is a son who spends his money without thinking or caring about the consequences of his actions. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. That's going to be our main focus, our main story today. And it all is going to come around together, come around together to us talking about how we need to remember our way back home to God. All right. So, again, we're going to be doing some reading between the lines. And I'm only going to be reading about the younger son and his father. This relationship between the younger son and the father. We're going to be reading from verses 11 to 24. I'm not going to be reading about the older son, but uh, maybe in a future episode soon, we'll talk about him and his reaction and what it is. But for the sole purposes of this episode, episode 81, we're going to focus only on the relationship between the younger son and the father. And the younger son is the prodigal son. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read and I'm going to read and then I'm probably going to talk back. So just roll with me. All right. So chapter 15, verse 11, it says to illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. I'm going to stop it there. Okay. Um, to further illustrate his point, to illustrate the point further, it's important for us to understand like who he's talking to and why he wants to illustrate this point further. So just so you know, if you read the beginning of chapter 15, um, he's actually talking to some Pharisees and he's talking to some teachers of the law. All right. We know that many times in the Bible, the Pharisees are always trying to find a way to have Jesus sin or have Jesus say the wrong thing or have Jesus explain himself as to why he's doing things 
that are not accustomed to their religious culture or the way that the the law was written. So they're trying to trap him into doing something that goes against what the law says, right? So Jesus goes ahead and he wants to illustrate, um, you know, a, a particular point and he uses two other parables or stories before the lost sheep story. I mean, the lost um, son. So the first one that he uses is the parable of the lost sheep. And then the second one he uses is the parable of the lost coin. So when you get a chance later, you can go ahead and read those two parables. But just to go ahead and put some like context to it, um, in the same chapter of 15, Luke 15, verse 7, at the end of the parable, Jesus says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. All right. And that's the parable of the lost sheep. It is better for God to rejoice for the one that is not saved, but is able to come back to him than for 99 others. Now, in the parable of the lost coin, all right, um, he goes ahead and he says in verse 10, in the same way, Jesus says, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. All right. So he's basically distinguishing, hey, I know I have a lot of people that are righteous and that are doing the right thing, but my grace is sufficient for all of them. And I'm always looking for the one that may be lost, for the one soul that may be doing sin, for the one person that may be struggling more and not know who I am. I want to be able to rejoice. I want to be able to celebrate. I want to be able to be filled with joy once I know that that lost sheep or that lost coin has been found. All right. And here we're reading about the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. So we're going to find out exactly how this young son went ahead and was lost in the first place. And then we're going to go ahead and find out, OK, when and how was he found? All right. Remember that today we are talking about remembering the way back home, the way back home to your God, to your father. OK, so I'm going to go back to verse 12 and it says the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. All right. Now, something really interesting here is the way that he tells his dad that he wants his money before he dies means that there was a purpose in that money because that money was supposed to be an inheritance for after his father passed away. OK. And instead of him waiting for that process to happen, He's being a little bit selfish here and saying, you know what? If that money is mine, I want it now. I want it now before you die. I want to use it now. And, and I keep saying I want it now because sometimes we do the same thing in our lives. Sometimes we know that God has something for us and we get really antsy and we get really uh, excited for it. And we end up saying, I want it now. I want to have the results now. I want to have my prayer request done now. I want it done before you want it done, before you had it planned. But we also see that the father doesn't even argue with him. He doesn't start a conversation with him. He doesn't say anything to him. He agrees with him. He says, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you what you're asking for. 
And again, God is going to do that with us too sometimes. God will sometimes allow what you want to happen. He will allow you to go through it so that you can receive a lesson as to why he wanted you to wait. Or so that you can understand that he is a loving father and he wants you to be happy. And if you think that's going to make you happy, he may allow it for you so that you can be able to see what it is all about. All right. So verse 13, it says a few days later, this young son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money and wild living. And it's funny that he used the word wasted and not spent because I feel like wasted is a negative word to describe how you use your money. So I can say, well, I wasted $100 on cosmetic supplies. And it makes it seem like if I didn't need those cosmetic supplies, but I wanted it, so I wasted my money. Versus if I said, well, I spent my money on cosmetic supplies, it has less of a negative meaning. It's basically you had that money and you chose to use it. But here the Bible says he wasted all his money in wild living and wild living can be a million things it doesn't specify it so when i put this into context now wild living could just basically be anything that's worldly anything that's fleshly anything that's too much of something excessive something that is too much like you don't need to buy a 200 dollars pair of jordans but you want it so you buy it right or you don't need to spend your money partying it out at the clubs but because you want to have a good time you you do that all of that is wild living it's fleshly living it's worldly living it could be a million different things it could go into spending your money on prostitutes it could be spending your money on lavish clothes that you don't need it could be a bunch of things spending it on lots of food on gluttony Um, It could just be anything. So it doesn't specify, but it says he wasted. So wasted means like he literally used it on things that were not needed and that were extreme and excessive. All right. And that's exactly what a prodigal son is. Somebody who wastes their money on things without knowing the consequences that are excessive, that is reckless. Okay. so verse 14 About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Now, a famine is basically when there's no food, right? You know, maybe the crops burned down. Um, You know, maybe there was just like... um, You know, the lands got dry and there was no production, but he wasted all his money on wild living. And now it's gotten to the point where he didn't think about what would happen if that were to occur. And he didn't think about, well, wow, now I'm going to starve. Okay, so he's poor now. He went from living la vida loca, which is basically having lots of money, partying it out, choosing to have fun. But he didn't think it through. He didn't plan how to budget. He didn't get how long he was going to be in this situation. And isn't it funny that God allowed this famine to happen on purpose? Because again, God allows things to happen in your life on purpose. And even the things that are not good, he finds a way to use it for your good. 
Oh my God, listen to that. Even if the things you're going through is not what you expected, God still uses those very tests and those very things that may seem difficult for your good. But sometimes he does things for a reason and he does things for a purpose. And sometimes it is a hard lesson to go through that he will allow you to go through. And I think that's what happened here. God allowed this famine to happen and God allowed him to understand the consequences of his actions. He misused his money and now he's gotten to the point where he is starving. So he persuaded, and this is verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. All right, so now he's in charge of feeding the pigs, the wild animals. He was doing wild things and now he's in a pen with wild animals. Get that out. I mean, listen to that. All right. You chose to do wild things excessively. And now it's gotten to the point where you are feeding wild pigs in a pen, wild animals. All right. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Now he's hit rock bottom. If you are working with pigs in the mud and you are feeding them all kinds of stuff, all right, and it gets to the point where you are looking at that and saying, mm, wouldn't that taste good? There is something wrong. You have lost your marbles. Like, that is like, that's like if I said I would eat pickles. I hate pickles. And my dad doesn't like pickles either. And there's something about pickles that I do not like. If I am really, 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 really hungry, let's say I don't eat for like a day or two, and all of a sudden I'm saying, oh, those pickles look good. I may eat them. There's something wrong. But that's an example because honestly, I know a lot of other people that like pickles. My mom loves pickles. But it's an example. Like sometimes you just, you, you hit rock bottom. You've, you've gone to a place where you can't turn back to what you were before. And you feel like, wow, like, wouldn't it be good just to deal with what I'm dealing with and surrender to what's going on and think crazy things like maybe this is a good idea. All right. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, this is the breaking point. He has finally came to his senses. He acknowledges the situation. He acknowledges what he's done is wrong. He acknowledges he mishandled his money. He has finally acknowledged the fullness of his mistake. He's come to his senses. The young son says to himself, at home, meaning at his house with his father, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger, exclamation mark. That means it's a big deal. All right, it's like a ha-ha moment. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So now, not only has he come to his senses, but he's actually creating a plan, something he didn't create before, right? So he's like, this is what happened. This is what I did wrong. And now my solution is to go back home to my father, who I know who loves me, to my father, who I know takes care of his servants. And his servants have a lot of food, enough for them to spare. And I'm gonna just tell him, like, dad, I sinned, I messed up, I hit rock bottom, I was wrong. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. It's a form of repentance. It's a form of like, like understanding what you did was wrong. And then he goes ahead and he gives a proposition. And his proposition is, I plan to tell my dad, just take me on as a hired servant. So almost like he feels guilty about like, man, like you have two sons and I was the selfish one who instead of waiting for what you wanted my inheritance to be given to me for when you passed away, I decided to take the money and run. And I used it wrong. And you know what? Like, I get that I should get some type of consequence. Like, just hire me as a servant. That is his pitch. That is his plan. That's what he's thinking, okay? And he hasn't said any of this to his dad yet. He is just coming to his senses and thinking that. So I want you to think about this. When was the last time that you maybe misused your time or you misused your money or you misused your words with someone else or you misused something that happened at work that it got to the point where you thought in your plan, okay, you know what? I, I made a mistake. This is not what I wanted. So now I'm going to, I plan to go to my boss and be like, hey, I did this wrong. I take full responsibility. I think this is what we need to do to fix it. Or maybe you said something wrong to your spouse or your boyfriend and girlfriend. And you're like, hey, you know, babe, I did this wrong. I should have never spoken to you like that. Like, I, I want to go to you and I want to say, hey, you know, next time we have an argument about this topic, like, remind me to respect you more and be quiet. Remind me to, to not think that I have it all. This is what you plan. This is what your proposal is, right? This is what you're thinking of. When was the last time that you you really analyzed what was going on? You really came to your senses, all right? I say all right a lot, and I, I always say that my friend, one of our friends that listens to this podcast always says, I say all right and okay a lot. I apologize. Those are like filler things, like when you're nervous in front of a camera or something, and like you just you tend to say it a lot i'm working on it i think i'm gonna have like a poster or something that says don't say okay and don't say all right but i'm gonna get there so work with me okay i'm it's a work in progress <laughs> none of this is perfected yet so verse 20 it says so he returned home to his father so he finally returned back home to his dad and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. I'm going to stop right there, all right? God loves to see you coming to him. God is your dad, and he loves to see when, he, when you yearn for him, when you're hungry for him. He loves to see when you want to get into his word. He loves to receive your praises. He loves to hear your worship. God loves to hear you talk to him. And when you are literally taking that first step on that path of coming back to him, coming back to home, and getting yourself and your relationship in order, God sees you. Even from far away, even the moment when you say, well, God, I'm going to plan as of tomorrow to spend more time with you. The moment you decide that and you make a plan, God sees you. God is like this father. He sees his son from afar. He sees him coming down the road. He sees him in whatever condition he is. Maybe he was covered in mud from when he was with the pigs. Maybe he had holes 
on on his clothes maybe he his shoes were broken but in whatever condition that son was coming in it didn't matter to his father because his father was so full of love and compassion that instead of him waiting for his son to get to him he ran to his son and again this is a beautiful reflection of our relationship with God because you know what happens you can come to God with your raggedy hags you can come to God with your messy hair you can come to God with the sin that you did last night you can come to God with your filthy math mouth that you may have cursed somebody out with you can come to God with your sins all all over you and God sees you from afar and the same way you run to him God is running to you God is ready to embrace you with love he's ready to give you compassion he's ready to give you grace he's ready to give you forgiveness God literally is having me say this to somebody out there who is listening somebody who is watching this podcast on YouTube somebody needs to hear this Come to God the way you are, because the moment that you say, God, I choose you, God is going to be running to you as well. This is a two way street, but you better believe your God, your father is going to be running to you the same way you're running to him. So come to him the way you are. Don't think you have to fix yourself before you get to him. God will fix you when the time is right god will mold you he'll take the things that are ugly off of you and he'll put new things on you but god just wants to see that you are coming back home god just wants to see that you are willing to make that walk the way you are and you are willing to receive the love and compassion that he has for you so be encouraged God wants to see you no matter what you did, no matter what you said, no matter what sin, no matter what guilt, no matter what shame you may have, run to your father, go back home, embrace the arms that he has for you, because I promise you, God is going to be there with you also. He is faithful and he will not let go of you. So that was for you. Whoever you is, that was for you. So this is a reflection of how we should be running to God daily. We need to be getting to God. We need to be praying on our knees. We need to be lifting our hands in praise and worship. We need to be able to give our devotional time. Open up this Bible. I said in our last podcast, buy yourself a Bible. Highlight this Bible. Write in this Bible. Put notes in this Bible. But really run back home to your God, where there is comfort, where there is a safe space, where there is love, and where God can make you the son or the daughter that you were called to be, the way he made you in his image. Just be able to come back to him. Verse 21, it says, his son said to him, and this is part of the plan, remember that we said that he had, he said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I no longer am worthy of being called your son. Notice he is not able to give his final sentence. He does not say, please take me on as your servant. Why doesn't he say it? Verse 22. But his father said to the servants, quick, exclamation mark. Almost like if he interrupted him and said, no, 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 no. I have something better for you. Again, look at the revelation there. You may have a proposal to God. You may say, God, I want to go there. I want to do this. And while you're in the midst of telling him everything that you have on his heart, God is like, hold up, angels. Watch out. My son is coming. My daughter is coming. Hold up. Sound the alarm. Get your trumpets ready. We're about to have a party up in here. 
like literally God is saying, quick, go get my stuff. Like we're announcing the arrival of my son or daughter. That's what's going on right here. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Verse 23, and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. Here is it. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. That was verse 24. That is like the best verse right there because it's an analogy exactly of what God said in verse 7 and what God said in verse 10. He's like, he was lost and now he's found. And now let the party begin. There's a celebration going on here because the father is not going to dwell on the bad decision his young son did. Instead, his father wants to celebrate the arrival and the acknowledgement of himself being found again. And it comes back to that thing. I found myself going to the mall. I found myself going to church. I found myself giving God praise in the morning. I found myself singing a song to my kids from Chris Tomlin or Toby Mac. I found myself treating my husband better. I found myself seeing God in the midst of our marriage. I found myself teaching our kids how God is faithful when they're young. I found myself helping my sister who needs help. I found myself being able to use my talent and my business for God's kingdom. When you come to your senses and you find yourself, God is celebrating you. God is celebrating you. The angels are celebrating you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are celebrating you. There is a celebration of how you found yourself. We are not here to condemn you. We're not here to point you out. We're not here to say, well, you did it wrong. We're not here to say, I told you so. We're not here to say any of that. God doesn't want any of that because he's your father and he loves you and he wants the best for you. So instead of dwelling on the sin, instead of dwelling on those rags he was wearing instead of dwelling on the fact that maybe his shoes were broken instead of dwelling on the fact that his hands were dirty the father goes ahead and what does he do the finest robe is going to his son his younger son a ring is being put on his finger a brand new beautiful ring we don't know how many carats it was but let me tell you if he's getting the finest robe you better believe he's getting the finest ring and then he says and sandals for his feet brand new sandals for his feet for some reason while i was reading this i was thinking we are the hands and feet of god and god wants to make sure that we're covered with his word and we're covered with his love and when you read this he put a robe on him maybe to cover him a beautiful robe to cover his flesh and understand that his father god is taking care of him that his son is on his side that he doesn't have to worry about labor out there that he was doing with the pigs because now he's covered and god covers us with his sin i mean with his blood god covers us with his grace god covers us with his love wow i was thinking of that that's what i was thinking maybe it's a revelation or something but i was listening to this i was thinking of this too like we are God's hands and feet. And at this moment, again, the son was literally picking up maybe pig poop, serving pig food, covered up in mud, 
His feet were probably all dirty. His hands were all messed up. Yet his father says, I got you. Not only am I going to cover you, but I'm going to make sure that you have what you need on your hands. So that ring to share, to show that you are part of this family. And I'm going to make sure you have your sandals on because where you're going to go, God is going to lift you up because where you used to be now is going to be a reflection of where you're going and who you are. Wow. Okay. Let me repeat that again. You may right now be in the wrong place, but God is going to bring you to a place where you'll be better and your sandals, your new wardrobe and your new ring will be a testimony that you'll be able to share with others. And then once you share your testimony, the party will continue on. The celebration will continue on. That was powerful. That was amazing. I got it. That was for me. That was for me. Covered in grace and taken care of as part of the family with the ring and not knowing the amazing destination that God has for you with the new sandals. I'm going to give you another one, right? Taking it back to Moses. Moses was told, take your sandals off. You're on holy ground. But here it's saying, put your sandals on. We're going somewhere. So like, I just, I'm thinking like, did he put the sandals on him because he has a lot of places where he's going to be going, where he can share his testimony because he has a lot of places of being able to share God's word because now he's a new person. So he's out of his old sandals and into new ones. These are things that I just think about, man. I, I really hope like this is a revelation from God, but I really, I get this in my spirit because it, it gets even better, right? Kill the fattest calf we have. So in biblical times, if you have the fattest calf, normally that's the one that you're probably going to use for producing, for making more cows, for having more products. He says, don't worry about that. Cut that calf. We're going to cook that calf. We're going to celebrate. We're going to give it all. And we're going to feast like we've never done before. And all this is to show my son was dead in the world, but now he's alive in Christ. My son was lost in the world, but now he's found at home. He has a life he can embrace. He has a life that he has found. He has a life that he can walk with joy because he is back home. Because he's in a place where he doesn't have to ask his dad, can I open the refrigerator? That refrigerator is his refrigerator he's at his house he can open the door whenever he wants he doesn't have to worry about how much he's gonna make because his father is taking care of him he doesn't have to worry about when he's gonna eat because look his father says don't worry about him you may have been starving before but what i'm about to cook for you and what i have laid out for you is gonna be something you're never gonna have to worry about you will never starve again why because you are home you are taken care of you're in my house in god's house remembering your way back home. I mean, he didn't struggle to find his dad's house. He knew how to get to his dad's house. He knew how he treated his, his dad treated his servants. He knew how his dad was a reflection of who God was. He knew how his dad conducted himself. He knew his dad would have never done what he did. But yet he goes back home. And even though he had a whole speech taken care of, his dad was like, don't worry about it. I got you. You're back home. Remember your way back home. So it is possible, and I'm winding down right now. It is definitely possible for a Christian to lose their way. 
It is definitely a real thing for us to get wrapped up to the point where we forget where we came from. We forget how God saved us. We forget how to praise God in the midst of this pandemic. We forget to open our Bible with devotional time. We understand that we lose ourselves in our relationship with God, but it is still possible for you to come back home. It is still possible for you to get strength from God so that you can overcome your challenge, you can overcome your doubt, you can overcome your guilt, you can overcome your negative thoughts. You can find yourself again as long as you're willing to come back to God. As long as you're willing to understand that your identity comes from the most high God, that he created you beautifully and wonderfully. And here's the best part. You know how to get back home. How do you get back home? You repent. God, I did it wrong. Forgive me. You ask for forgiveness. How do you come back home? You choose to never go back to what you used to be, to the mistakes you did, to the mouth you said bad things to, to the actions and the poor way you treated your coworker. You choose not to do those things. Now you go back home. And when you go back home, you choose to stay committed to God. You choose to pray each day. You choose to read God's word every day. You choose to come back to God's hands, to feel embraced by who he is. You got to run to him. It goes back to running back to God. You got to make sure like when you feel like you have lost control of something, because you've been thinking about it too long, because if you've been trying different things and nothing's working out, you got to run back to God. You got to repent. This is how you get yourself back home. And I'm telling you, once you get back home, you're going to get back into the flow of things. God is going to be filled with joy. God is not going to say, no, I don't, you're spending way too much time for me. God will never say that to you. He will never say, no, I want a break from you. God is never going to say, no, no, no. You need to get out of here. No, no, no. God is not going to say any of that. He's going to embrace you. He's going to love you. And he's going to want you to continue to celebrate the victories in your life. He wants to continue to celebrate the blessings he gives you. And the only way that you can be celebrated, the only way that you can experience what it feels like to be home is when you choose God, when you choose to run to God. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that it was one that you can get a lot from. I hope that you received all the different revelations and the reading between the lines. I really hope it, it connects to you. And I really hope that you really get a chance to, to come back to God, to choose him if you make a mistake, if you recklessly do something wrong, if if you make decisions without thinking of consequences, that you choose to come home, that you remember how to get back home to your, to your father's hands. So in this episode's challenge, I want you to remember how you felt when you first received God, God's grace and when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How did you feel when you were embraced by love by your father? How did you feel when you were at home in a place where you are wanted, in a place that you are taken care of. And once you remember that feeling, I want you to connect with God more this week in your prayer time and your devotional time. 
I really want you to, to remember who your father is and be able to work on your relationship with God to the point where you're enamored. Enamored meaning to the point where you're, you're fully, consistently in love with him. And you just, every day, you want to be able to get into his presence. Every day, you want to be able to give praise to God. Every day, you want to open up the Bible and read something different. Just remember how good it feels to be at home, embraced by God's love, in his arms. And then just go ahead and connect with him more this week. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Remix Movement for more updates. Send us a DM with your feedback, questions, and any topics that you would like to hear in any of our future episodes. Thank you, and God bless.